opening crawl. A long time ago, three friends talked about recording a show, a podcast in which they could feel truly free to discuss tons of nerdy stuff passionately, like dragons, time travel, robots, and clones, mutants, time travel, board games, and thrones, aliens, wizards, time travel, zombies, zombies that time travel? You betcha, Dobby. Comic-Con, steampunk, parallel worlds, Mega Man, Hearthstone, but no sports or girls. So red pill or blue pill, now that you know, we'd like to welcome you to the Cast Springer Show. Introducing your hosts, Chris Zendra Lumeiga Naga Singer, Pat Zenjin Lumrapsana Aga Singer, and Randy Golden Bora Hanadan Sefer. Caspringer! Hello and welcome to Caspringers! Randy, Chris, what's up, guys? Uh, please refer to me by my name this week, Rana Zanaganagadaga. Oh, Raja Nanagana singer? Hey, what's up? For all our Doctor Who fans out there, uh, Doctor Who reference, and I've never, I've only seen two episodes, so I don't really know what it references, but. But which two episodes have you seen? I saw the first one with Christopher Eccleston. The guy, and, the, the villain from Gone in 60 Seconds, right? Uh, I never saw Gone in 60 Seconds. Is that the Purple Man? No, that's, that's David Tennant. Wait. Hmm? Oh. Is this the end of our podcast? It's, it's it. Or is it the beginning? No, this is where we meet in the middle. Wait. Oh. Like pincer. Memento. A uh, podcast pincer. Yes, it's a it's a podcast temporal podcast pincer. Yeah, <laughs> coming at you. It is cats tenant this week. Everything tenant, except for the few things that will not be about. <laughs> also going to be there. Well, the movie wasn't all about crazy time inversion entropy travel. There was that painting. Yeah, there was about. Mm-hmm. There was also about fake paintings. There was a that boat fight scene in the, in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. There were boats. There was a train. The fight scene in the kit. Oh no, that wasn't it. That wasn't timey, timey wimey stuff. Yeah, no, that was normal. Well, yeah. I mean, as normal as it could be to fight lobsters in the kitchen. With like so a- there will with a cheese grater as your weapon. <laughs> he was grating the guys. <laughs> well, we should also probably just like kick this whole ep- episode off with, hey, spoiler alert! If you have not watched Tenant, do not listen to this episode. Or listen, because we're not really yeah, going to explain you might, much. You don't know what, how you could really spoil Tenant. <laughs> well, maybe invert it, and we'll say, listen to this episode. Because <laughs> things up before you watch the movie, I don't know. I, do, I would like to point out to our listeners, I am dressed up. I'm wearing a tie for this episode because it's such a big occasion. It is, in fact, a two-sided, double-sided tie. Some people call it double-sided. I like to refer to it as an invertible tie. <laughs> So, you know, depending on how I enter my closet, it might be the design t- side or the solid side. And Chris, what? It's a- Dr. Seuss. Yeah, I was going to say, what, what drink is on it? It's Redfish Bluefish. Or is it One Fish, Two Fish? Depends how you enter the closet style. <laughs> or would it be a turn closet? Uh, no, I like closet style. That's yeah. Closet style. <laughs> makes closet way more style. sense. <laughs> All right, so Chris, Randy, what have you guys been nerding on this week? Chris, how about you? Uh, well, uh, this week I kind of dove into my comic collection and I've been perusing eBay and may have purchased some old comics that I found there. Got the first appearance of American Eagle. Like the or, store? 
yeah, it's like a they just have a lot of jeans in this issue of Avengers. You know, some fashionable late nineties flannels. Um I don't know, never really heard of the character, but he's in they brought him back, he's in Avengers now. They're doing some uh Phoenix force competition and he is a contender. So I was like, Hey, I like this guy. Let me see what he's uh what he's all about and bought his first appearance on eBay. Got the first appearance of Strong Guy, Guido from X Factor. He's always been one of my favorites. So that's New Mutants twenty seven, twenty eight, I think. He's the guy with the sunglasses. Yeah, bald guy with the little tuft of hair in front. Yeah. And he's got the tiny, tiny glasses, and he's like the comic relief. He's usually a pretty funny character. Yes, I, I also appreciate Strong Guy. His name's Strong Guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's still one of my favorite issues of X Factor when they had the new team and they're developing code names. And like, what's your name? He's like, Guido. Like, no, 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 what's your code name? He's like, we need code names? Well, I'm strong. Call me Strong Guy. <laughs> And then it's stuck. Love it. Andy, how about you, man? What have you been uh, nerding on this week? Uh, so I got into a new game for free on PlayStation 4 Plus or PlayStation Plus. We Were Here came up in my Google feed. It's a co-op online puzzle game. So you need one other person to play it with you. Um, so I got one of my coworkers to play it with me and, uh, it sucks. It's not fun at all. It's super hard. Can I, can I have a quick time out here, Randy? You got one of your coworkers to play a video game with you about puzzles. Well, like a coworker from a podcast. Like, uh, well, okay guys. See, here's the problem. I, it came up in my Google feed. I knew both of you were very busy. Like Chris, you were reading your new comics with strong guy and Pat, you're, you were doing whatever you're going to tell us you were doing in a few minutes. And so I said, well, my coworker, Adam, he probably would like to play this guys. Don't worry. <laughs> my I coworker Adam doesn't have a life. He's, play a terrible video he's also been asking me to play video games with him again. We used to play every Friday night. So I said, Oh, this will be a good one. But the graphics are really bad. The um, puzzle feature, it is, it's a really cool idea. Essentially, you both have walkie-talkies, and they start you in different rooms of this huge castle. So I was in the library. He's in the dungeon. And you can only talk to each other using the walkie-talkies, and our puzzles have to go together. So somehow I have to give him information that I can see that he has and vice versa. But it, it honestly looks like it could have been on a PlayStation 1, like it's that bad of graphics. Um, and the game that, plays a little tough, so. Isn't that intentional, though? I feel like that's one of those games that's like trying to be quasi-retro. <laughs> yeah, then they did an awesome job with it. They knocked it out of the park. Uh, I love it then. But I, I think we'll give it a little more of a shot, But because I love the idea. Um, and then just quickly, the other thing I was going to bring up to you guys is I watched this movie, The Wanting Mare. Have you ever heard of it? I just heard of it today, like without even like, like making the connection that you had watched it. But I, I was reading, uh, actually I was doing research on Tenant, and then there was like a review on the site that I was reading the Tenant article on about The Wandering Mare. So did it give, was it a good review or a bad review? I, well, I like, when I saw the headline, I was like, that sounds really familiar. And at the same time, I was jotting some stuff down in our show notes for Tenant today. And then I saw that's when I saw that you had seen it. I was like, oh, that must be where it sounds familiar from. So I didn't really read it because I 
wanted to, you know, let you talk about it a little bit. Yeah, well, spoiler. So oh no, there's nothing to spoil. Um, again, it wasn't wasn't that good. It came up in my Google feed as like one of the best sci-fi movies available right now. Um, a totally different like twist on or take on whatever it is. Um, and it was like an extremely slow burn. Mm -hmm. The sci-fi idea wasn't great. Essentially, it was in the future, and this girl had a dream of the past, and she lived on one set of the world, and there was like the other set that you had to get to by boat. That was the plot, is getting to the other part of the world, and one was cold, one was hot. But essentially, Google Feed tricked me. I watched it. I bought it for $5 and watched it and it was not good. So do not watch the wanting. Man. One of the, I did read an article on it and one of the things the article said, kind of the same thing that it's a pretty good high concept in it's a neat sci-fi, you know, visual in like a, a way to approach things. But the one, the story piece that they chose to tell might not have been the best to introduce this larger world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's what it was. The world building was really cool. It's one of yeah. those movies where they spend so much time on the mystery of it. Like they don't tell you a lot. There's not a ton of dialogue. Um, it's one of those sci-fi fantasy movies where you're trying to figure out what's going on the whole time. And then at the end of the movie, you're like, Oh, not much was really going on anyways. So the wanting mayor, do the wanting mayor. Yeah. Does that have a meaning or does it just sound? There's, well, mirror is a horse, right? So there's definitely horses in the movie. Uh, and I would assume it's in the, the horses want something. The horses want something. And that's about it. There's one main horse and then they talk about horses a little bit. So. Are you sure you didn't just watch the horse whisperer? <laughs> no, it was, it was the wanting mare. You think the horses were talking to each other about other horses? That would have been awesome. Yes. No, it is pretty sometimes. <laughs> the horses didn't talk at all. So, so, Pat, hopefully you did something better than those two things I did. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like you guys kind of took some bigger leaps. I, I kind of kept it safe and uh, just caught up on WandaVision. I was uh, like two episodes behind. Uh, so that, that show is finally like really shaping up and mm -hmm really good it's definitely cool. yeah it, it seems like it's opening a lot of doors for uh for some stuff going on in the mcu which is awesome um and then i also got back into uh iron gold and finishing the red rising uh getting into like the second trilogy um i took a little break after morning star just to kind of like i don't know just take a break from the world of world building and everything that was going on there and like just regain my composure i guess a little bit because the end of the, and the end of the first trilogy was pretty crazy so uh but now i'm diving back in it's it's been good it's different um like his the style of this uh fourth book is that is much different than the other ones so i'm kind of adjusting to that a little bit but i feel like i it's in a groove now and so i'm i'm into it just finished a uh like a detailed chapter about one of my favorite characters one of the telemonises though that was awesome. Kevax? Mm-hmm. Just sleeper character of the entire series. Sophocles rules. Great. Um, it's a sign. Is that our is that our caller calling in right now or not yet? No, no, that was oh. that's what Sophocles says about Sophocles the I, fox. I'm still on morning. See, Randy, Sophocles really likes jelly beans. Well, okay. 
and finds them everywhere mysteriously. And he found a grape one. And it's magic. And it was a sign. This is the, the fourth book in this trilogy? Mm-hmm. Ooh, so they we'll do see. take a jump. <laughs> yeah. okay. See, it, it, it makes more sense when you read the fourth book second and then go back. <laughs> so if you want to read it like that, that's kind of how like us pros would read it. It's kind of like a edit style reading for it where you start and then you jump and then you... Yeah, I was just inverting the trilogy. You yeah. might... I get it. I get it. Mm-hmm. Why can't they just name them like they named the Rockies? Like that was easy to keep track of. But nope, it's all got to be colors and it's none of them. Red, ri- red Rising yeah. One, Red Rising Two, Red Rising yeah. Three. That would have been easy. <laughs> I'm listening to Morning uh, Morning Star. Yeah. On, uh, on the way to work now, and it's it's a. I know we all agree it's it's the same thing as reading the book, but it is a little bit of a struggle right now. I think I'm gonna have to get the book out. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, that is the one thing with, uh, so I'm listening to Iron Gold, and I don't know what, like, for some reason, this recording, this audio recording is just way quieter. Like, the levels are, like, way down. I have to jack the volume up in my car, like, twice as high as I was for the other books just to, like, kind of hear what they're saying. So I, I'm with you, Randy. I might actually yeah. have to start reading it, which is fine. All right. Sweet. Everyone's been nerding out. Got some good stuff going on. Let's dive into the multi-strike. All right. So, Randy, what do you got for us this week? Okay. So, my article is on Super Nintendo World, which is in Japan. Um, It's a theme park, if you haven't heard of it. So, it's um, I don't know about you guys. I love theme parks. Um, I know Pat and I, before the podcast started, he brought up Islands of Adventure at Universal Studios and uh, the Spider-Man ride there. And he can talk a little bit about how he felt that compared to this video of Mario Kart at Super Nintendo World. Um, but I mean, it's one of the coolest things I could think of doing. So I watched the whole video 20 minutes long. It's pretty much somebody walking through the new Mario Kart ride there. And uh, it looks like a beautiful, like, setup. Like, they go through all the lines, which, again, look like it'd be insane if you had to wait in line that long. But, I mean, you feel like you're in Bowser's Castle, essentially. And the props that they have, like, really well done. And then they do the ride. And maybe it's because of the video. The ride looks cool. It's uh, augmented reality. Um, So you're wearing these glasses that have a little Mario cap on top, which I thought was kind of neat. And uh, before you go on the ride, there's like videos that explain how the ride works. So essentially you're in a car with four people, all of you have a steering wheel. You all have to steal, steer the same way. If you don't, you don't get the coins. And then you have to hit buttons on the steering wheel to shoot shells at the enemies you see through the augmented reality glasses. That's a gist of it. The actual ride itself, I don't know. What did you guys think? I, didn't, I thought it was cool, but I think obviously if you do it in person, it'd be way cooler. I thought the line itself i thought the wait for it was really cool yeah i uh, i agree like I, I think theme parks have just gotten so good at making the lines less of a burden to like mm-hmm. sit because yeah especially for a new ride like that you're probably looking at like an hour wait maybe longer so you know giving you a lot to look at a lot to take in while you're going through the line um so yeah my comparison with the islands of adventure i the, in seeing the video of the ride, it reminded me a lot of the, the Spider-Man ride when it came out at Islands of Adventure. And that, when that first launched, I don't even remember what year that was, that's probably like 2000 around there or something, maybe a little earlier. 
but that ride was like blowing people's minds and how like they integrated the actual like typical ride um with like video streams and, and that sort of thing and this just seemed like the next natural progression with the advances in technology and like augmented reality that you know you're kind of integrating that with just like what you would think of as like a standard ride the props and stuff looked really cool like the, the real life props and then the augmented reality looked a little wonky i thought but again that could be due to just you know recording it through like a you know phone or video camera or whatever they were using so i think yeah like you said randy in person it's probably gonna be even better but it did already look very cool i i definitely want to go on that i mean i think they nailed mario kart perfectly because looking through those augmented reality glasses it was utter chaos like no clue what was going on i don't know if you felt that way bad but just tons of carts and characters getting hit by 20 shells at once it was pure mario kart which looked cool <laughs> i'll be honest i like so the video is like 20 minutes long like 15 minutes of it is going through all the lines <laughs> I watched all of that. I had to turn turn the ride off and halfway through it. So probably like, if there was like five minutes of, of the actual ride, I only watched two and a half because there was just so much going on. It was like, <laughs> turn it off. Uh, I, I, and going to what you said about Spider-Man, to this day, that was the last time I went down to Disney was when it just opened. To this day, the best ride I've ever been on, Spider-Man. And I know, I think our... One of our avid listeners, Rob, has been there, and I think he told me about a Harry Potter ride that took over for that, um, that he said was even better than the Spider-Man well, one. Uh, it didn't take over, but it is. Okay. Like, I've been to Islands of Adventure multiple times, uh, not only like when around when Spider-Man came out, but then, yes, when they added on the Harry Potter one, and then when they added on the second part of the Harry Potter one. And the Harry Potter one also is like a it's probably like a step up from Spider-Man, very kind of similar concept where you're integrating like uh, actual props and mechanical stuff with like video screens and things like that. The thing um, I, I like most about the Harry Potter was what you guys are talking about the line going through. You're going through like a Harry Potter museum on your way up to the ride, and it they had you they actually had people standing uh, like employees along the line telling people keep going to the ride. You're holding up the line because people are spending so much time like looking around and doing the stuff in the you know, walking up. So I think that that was awesome. I yeah. still remember that. Yeah. And that's kind of what this looked like. And it gives you the feel of being in Mario Kart. And usually this is the type of thing I would never watch because I wouldn't want it to spoil it for me, but I hope to be going to Japan at some point. Um, I think the odds of me going to Japan with somebody who wants to visit Super Nintendo World while you're in Japan, unless you guys want to go, is Chance Bringers World Tour. Yeah. So, so Tokyo is like towards the top of my list of, okay. of like other countries I want to go to. Uh, yeah, I've heard so many good things and just that it's like super, super fun, especially for nerds like well, <laughs> there's no, like video gaming and, and that sort of stuff to do over let's there. put it out there if one of our fans in japan in osaka wants to fly us out we'll do a show you can they can guest host if they put us up for the night and pay for our tickets to super mario world or nintendo world and they go on the show and be our guest star and they get a lot out of it yeah you us <laughs> <laughs> we would do it for them. We yeah. wouldn't do it for, you know, it's part of, we do it for the show and for our castanets. <laughs> we're, we're men of the people, you know, we want to help our fans out by mm -hmm. paying for us to go out to their place and hang out yes. and, you know, pay for our food and anything that we do. And we'll let them sit in on a podcast with us and listen to our mm -hmm. little jokes. Yep. 
I mean, great of job. giving back to the community. <laughs> what we do as cast bringers. Yeah. All right, uh, Chris. Uh, yes. Your article. My back. article is about scientists testing a mind-blowing time theory in a nuclear reactor. Oh, Chris, what is that mind-blowing theory? You were going to ask this. Listen, I read the article like seven times and I'm still trying to figure out what the theory is. The theory is that time dynamics may be phenomenological consequence of the fundamental violations of time reversal symmetry. Sounds like he's reading that, doesn't it? I guess. (laughs) He doesn't have to sound like it. I just, um, (laughs) because, um, this guy, this scientist, j- physicist John Vaccaro, of Joan, sorry, Joan Vaccaro, is measuring neutrinos and antineutrinos and how they interact in, uh, with the passage of time in powerful nuclear reactors. It's got to be a powerful nuclear reactor. It can't just be any nuclear reactor. The whole experiment, though, is she's putting two, she's taking atomic clocks putting some of them in the nuclear reactor and some of them not in the nuclear reactor and then going to see if they track time differently, if they still read the same after. And so what was like the kind of main takeaway from the article? Um, That time is like trees and wind blowing through the trees is the passage of time and space time is one thing. That's that's pretty close. This is my article. The leaves on the tree aren't the time passing and don't, but the wind blowing through the tree is like the roots grabbing the earth. That no, that's that's something different. It probably has some implications to entropy, right? Yeah, yeah, that was it. (laughs) Like that. That You can reverse entropy. Yeah, that maybe if that you prove this, that it's not entropy leads to the passage of time, but vice versa. We're, we're Listen, a, who picked this article? I don't know. I hear it. I mean, <laughs> I would like our listeners to know, I do read the articles and I do understand them mostly. <laughs> you're, doing, you're doing great, buddy. Doing what great. was more confusing, Chris's article or Tenet? Like my <laughs> explanation of the article. Yeah, or your explanation. I think it was Chris's explanation. All I says right here, physicists generally explain time flowing from lower into higher entropy, you know, disorder. Correct. But Vaccaro believes that entropy might not result from time, but time might result from entropy. Whoa. Think about that. What, what I thought of while reading this article um, was neutrinos were the extra dimensional uh, humanoid alien race in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I don't know if you guys remember them. They were like the really? 80s punk trolls. Is that what they were they called? Neutrinos? Yeah. <laughs> ah, that's, <great. laughs> that's what I remembered from it. Um, and then the whole leave and the tree thing, but mostly the neutrinos. But mostly the, the toad guys. Yeah. All right. I don't know how you're going to follow that article, Pat. <laughs> well, I have, you know, in keeping with the theme, I have another quasi time travel article. So my article was about the potential that scientists may have discovered evidence of a parallel universe where tenant style time is flowing backwards. 
basically what they found where they found tau neutrinos which typically can only like come down from space into earth they found them coming up from the ground out so in a sense then like they they theorize that like one of the only ways that could happen if not the only way it could happen was if time was flowing backwards and so they were like preparing to do some research to explore this more and figure out why these tau neutrinos are coming up like from the ground back out into the sky um but like that that's one of the things they're postulating uh basically though like as i read the article it was like every credible scientist was like that's not what's happening <laughs> like we we need to figure and, something out but like that's not it and the um, article was also written by christopher nolan so i think that <laughs> tipped it up a little too my yep. favorite my favorite line in the article is that the physicists dubbed the phenomenon an upside down cosmic ray shower you know, typically you got to pay good money for that, but I guess in the Antarctic, <laughs> it's, there's, it's just happening naturally. Free, man. It, it was, I had to read, I read your article, Pat, and I had to like, just make sure because it's just so close to Tenet. And also I'm watching the show, um, which I'll get to later on when we do our plugs, uh, the His Dark Materials, which is also very similar to something in Antarctic. There's like, particles going the wrong way like it was just perfect mixture of just made up stuff in an actual article i don't know about you guys i really hope that it's true though yeah it'd be awesome it would, right i mean i i find the prospect of like parallel universes and that sort of stuff just like very fascinating especially with like actual legitimate physicists you know kind of leaning towards that being a possibility and like looking into it and at least exploring it like it's just it's wild and it's I don't know. It's cool. It's it's interesting to read about. Do you think the neutrinos that were traveling backwards all have goatees? <laughs> because they were. <laughs> I think. I think Chris looked up what a neutrino looks like from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> <laughs> so I get that joke because I also looked up what they look like. I was thinking he was thinking of like the darkest timeline where they were just evil neutrinos with goatees. Actually, I was thinking of Spock's evil twin. <laughs> In the original Star Trek. Oh, okay. Um, I I don't know about you when. So I feel like when we were growing up, parallel universes was like one hundred percent made up. And as we've gotten older, it seems like it's kind of taken hold in the scientific community that it actually oh, yeah. is plausible, if not. I think because scientists are our age now, so they're <laughs> making it happen. <laughs> that makes sense. It's like when our when our kids are professional scientists they will have perfected cloning because they're making it happen i thought we would have at this point after dolly the sheep that was 10th grade for me <clears throat> i don't know if you remember guy no, clones take like three generations oh they just they don't just you don't get cloned your same age and look exactly like you are when you were cloned not yet that's gonna be in three generations okay what if you invert the clone <laughs> and then they would age backwards be older than us are we are we doing the drinking game where every time we mention invert you have to you have to drink but you have to drink it the other way you have to spit spit, it out spit it back out or do you look at the cup and it goes into your mouth from the cup because you gotta pretend pretend you assumed it was gonna happen think it's happening yes you have to have already done it All right. We, you know what? We, we'll just leave it at that. We'll go on to the, our killing blow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
the killing blow this week was brought to us by one of our avid listeners, Nick. Shout out to Nick. And so it was just a, I'll be honest, I, I didn't have time to read this one. I actually read this one. This right. one was oh. easy to understand. It's about when the Flash raced Quicksilver. Yes, it was Marvel a, Beast versus DC. It was a Marvel DC crossover event, and the Flash and Quicksilver raced each other. It was in uh, Marvel versus DC, I think, the second time they faced off. And that what made this series special is that fans got to vote on who would win in each pairing of superheroes. And the fans in this instance voted that the Flash, Wally West, is faster and would defeat Quicksilver. And honestly, I think they made the right choice. I don't see Quicksilver as being faster than the Flash. Yeah, I was going to try to get your guys' thoughts on that. I mean, I kind of just, like, off the top of my head would think, I I would pick Flash if I was going to vote if this was happening now. Yeah, I would take Flash also. I mean, Speed Force, man, it's... Mm-hmm. Quicksilver's never the Flash has always been billed as like going the speed up to and maybe even the speed of light whereas Quicksilver in my mind has never you know as far as I know never been billed to be going like that fast like maybe the speed of sound a little you know faster than that but not speed of light which is pretty damn fast yeah like if you look at like various feats in comics I feel like the Flash has kind of larger feats, right? As far as related to speed, like he's gone back in time a bunch of times. He's he like vibrates himself through walls because he's vibrating so fast. He can make whirlwinds by moving his fists. He like, like doing the Arsenio Hall. Mm-hmm. He like ripped the space <laughs> continuum, like he like ran through it or something. I feel no, like- that was Superboy Prime punched through it. Oh yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Okay. Anyway, Flash, big winner. I think the Flash also benefits from being a bigger solo hero, whereas Quicksilver is almost always part of a team, so he doesn't get the the spotlight on his speed as much. Yeah, I agree. I like Quicksilver's name better, but I agree the Flash would most likely beat him. But who... So... Was there a reason, I, again, I didn't read the article, and I don't remember when this crossover was. Was there a reason why it was Wally West Flash and not Barry but He was just the Flash at the time. It was like the early 90s, right? Early yeah, 90s. early 90s. Um, and it was, the story was that two uh, eternal brothers, they were named or something, uh, decided that they had to battle themselves, but they couldn't battle. They had to have their universes they represent battle. So one brother was Marvel, one brother was DC. And so they would each like get a point whenever the hero they picked won. Who won? The, the, the readers. <laughs> Agree. Agreed, yeah. <laughs> All right. That will wrap up our multi-strike and killing blow. Let's move on to the meat and potatoes of this week. No spoilers, because it's cast tenant. Potatoes. So would we stew them, mash them, and then boil them to this episode? You'd you'd mash them, boil them, stick them in a stew, then boil them and mash them again. 
would they be unmatched those guys this joke is never gonna give we're gonna do this all episode <laughs> so let, let's first address the uh the elephant in the room i watched tenant which means the the one of the most popular segments on the show has pat watched tenant is now has pat yeah. watched tenant, tenant. debated yes i watched tenant it was good. I really liked it. It was really good. Good episode. That's it. That's all. <laughs> really a lot of build up for that. <laughs> uh no, it was I I don't remember if I said this last week or not. Um like I wasn't insanely confused. There were definitely parts that were like were hard to follow. But for the most part I felt like I got like what was going on with one watch. I haven't watched it again. Mm-hmm. I probably will at some point. Just so I am sure there's some things I missed, but. So I got a question, Pat. Did you have your captions on? Yeah, that's I what I was going to ask. So you guys did. You gave me some pointers before I went into it. So I made sure the volume was up a little higher than normal and I had closed captioning on. So I watched it a second time. And this time I had captions on. And it, I got a lot more out of it. I think more than the more because of the captions than because of the second viewing, um, but it just it clicked a little better. In, in genuine Christopher Nolan fashion, people talk soft and muffled, very muffled. Uh, I I I feel like with the captions especially, I know Christopher Nolan is like one of the if not the main guy who wants his movies only in theaters. I think his movies should only be on video on demand because I don't know if I'll ever be able to watch a movie again if it was in the theater without captions. It's funny that he only wants them in theaters because I both times I watched it, I watched it on my phone. <laughs> the exact opposite of how he thinks they should be being. It is it is insane that he is, yeah, like all about having his stuff in theaters when like the sound mixing it just seems so bad like yeah. like as i'm watching it and and reading the captions there were there were multiple times i'm just like oh i absolutely would not know what is happening like what they would be saying or what is happening in this scene if i didn't have these captions on like, i'm just thinking about this this uh movie from what i've heard about dunkirk from bane and batman like it seems like he almost goes out to try and make it difficult to understand sometimes now he's just trolling us <laughs> yeah in he's co-balling us up, <laughs> in the lead up to this movie i was reading a bunch of interviews with him and and i'll try to find the article but there there is like point blank an interview where he says like he does not believe dialogue is important in the movies that like you can get the gist of what's happening just by like the visuals <laughs> and like the emotional feel and that sort of thing you know, and it's like I guess, but if your movie is like one of the craziest time travel-y things that you could ever think of, maybe the dialogue might be important. He, he but he had an article. They they made it a specific point. This is not a time travel movie. Yeah. This is a time inversion <laughs> movie about moving backwards through time and having time flow differently. You're not traveling through time. You're flowing through time backwards yeah, and and that is a good point because it, that is true he does make a he he makes a lot of points in a very again various interviews and whatnot exactly that to say that this is not don't think of this as an actual time travel movie 
because that you're doing yourself a disservice and probably going to confuse yourself more. It's a, yes, it's like a time playing with the flow of time, right? Yes. He also mm-hmm. says many times, just don't overthink it. <laughs> In the movie directly to, <laughs> movie the, <laughs> to the main character. In Multiple the times in the movie, the characters say, don't, don't overthink it. It may be the craziest wink and nod to the audience. Just <laughs> many characters, even just straight up being, don't think about this too much. Just enjoy it. it towards, the end of, towards the end of the movie, when the one guy's like, have you figured it out yet? Don't worry if you haven't. Don't worry if you haven't. <laughs> <laughs> He's talking to us. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, so so I know in our kind of text conversations and stuff we were having about Tenant, like leading up to this, uh, you know, there were, there was some confusion. So what? Any anything you guys are still hung up on? What's what's happening? I I don't know. So I made a whole list today and then left it at work. But I don't know if uh, it's plot holes or confusion still. Definitely, I may, I think I planned. I said the three scenes that were the most confusing were the um first scene with at the air at the freeport essentially that was the first con- really confusing one i think like the one that he's fighting himself he's fighting himself first yep. time through and then the one where he the whole uh freeway scene and then they go into the window room i think that was very mm-hmm. confusing and then obviously the pincer movement at the end or the three, I think those are the three big ones. And I've, honestly, the opera one kind of confused me too, because I didn't have the captions on yet. And I didn't know what was going on in that scene, but I think that one's more straightforward. So most of the mu- movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Well, there was a scene where he was, uh, you know, that one too is confusing where uh, Nope. That was confusing too. Um, there was a scene with a boat. I remember, and that was pretty cool. Not the, the racing the boats. Oh no, that one was confusing. <laughs> <laughs> where she jumps off the boat. I, I thought that one wasn't confusing till the end of the movie, where it actually became confusing. Actually, that part was confusing for me. I think that's the biggest sticking point because uh, Savor, right? What's his name? Sator. Sator. She shoots him and throws him off the boat, but then he's back. So he's inverted himself because he's coming back, but I couldn't figure out which one he killed because she's inverted too. But now, but they've uninverted, so they're moving back forward. So that, I'm still confused about that because she sees herself jump off the boat and the one that jumped off was the future one who had been moving backwards, but now is moving forward. No, that is actually it. I think. Yeah. No. Yeah. You no got joke. It. I think you. So who is Sa- when does say which Sator died though? It's the, the, the Sator. Sator. It, like, so he inverted himself also and went back. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Because he was on the boat, but then left on the helicopter, but then came right back. He went. So when he left on the helicopter, he was going to the opera. That was like him going to the beginning of the movie, essentially. He had okay. already inverted himself and came back onto the and boat. And came back because he knew he was already gone off the boat. Yeah, and that was, he wanted to die at the most blissful time in his life. And that was like, coincidentally, one article said it happened to be a week before all this happened. That that was like his favorite guess, point. Yeah, he could, use, the, uh, he could use a little more. 
explanation on that, I guess. I <laughs> Maybe know. they cut some scenes out. What a, one of the cool things going up against his name was the Seder Square. Did you guys mm-hmm. read about this thing? That, yeah, that was very cool. Never, yeah. never heard about it before, but yeah, I don't know if you want to explain it, Pat. Yeah, so the so the it's the Sator Rotus Square, and so it is basically it's a five word palindrome in and of itself, and it really hits on the five uh, kind of like main items in the movie, I guess. Um, so there's Sator, who is the villain. There's Oh, I forget what the second word was. Arepo. Arepo. Who, who was the guy who made the fake Goya painting. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was the artist who, who made like the forgery, which kind of establishes the relationship between Kat and Sator and, um, you know, kind of creates that tension there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there is Tenant, which is the organization, the title of the movie. Um, then there's the opera, which the opera scene plays a big scene in the beginning of the movie and then uh rotus which is i think an allusion to the turnstiles but then also is the name of the security company in the few points and so yeah so it's just like kind of a cool i don't know little nod and and thematic thing going on through the movie so i got i got deep into a whole about the Seder square and the history of that which is pretty fascinating it's been found all over europe um, and even Pompeii, because they think it might have had some religious um, reference to it. If you rearrange the letters, it's some religious word, uh, but they don't know because it's popped up so many places, and some of it was before Christianity, which is what the religious reference is. I mean, you could make a movie about the Seder Square, and it'd be a pretty cool movie. Like, So if you haven't heard about it, I'd say look into it for our listeners. Yeah, and there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of like kind of crazy illusions and stuff that Nolan uses through that, through the movie. Um, mm-hmm. There's this it's where there's the, the Maxwell thought, thought exercise, Maxwell Damon, the demon. Um, you want to explain that one? Is that the red blue one or no? Yeah, so this one's yeah, a little tricky to explain, um, but it has, it basically establishes, I think, where kind of uh, Nolan is coming from with his time. Uh, time inversion so to speak so the uh, Maxwell was a like a experimental physicist in the late 1800s and so he made a thought experiment um, and I tried to research the thought experiment to explain it on this and it was just way over my head so I'm not even going to attempt to you can wikipedia it almost like like neutrinos flowing backwards <laughs> through entropy might be over someone's head Chris do you what? want this to be next week's article that you bring? <laughs> Listen, maybe if, if Maxwell Damon had put some uh, atomic clocks in some nuclear reactors, we'd have a better explanation. Yeah, keep calling it Maxwell Damon. It just sounds like Matt Damon. <laughs> Maxwell Damon. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's supposed, to be, uh, supposed to be Maxwell's Demon, I think, which is like the name of the Wait, Maxwell Damon isn't a physicist? I thought that was his name. No, no. <laughs> um, but essentially though his thought experiment basically is just like how you could potentially violate the second law of thermodynamics um, which has to do with uh, I believe entropy and just how system, how close systems does it have to do with how entropy might cause time and not time cause entropy so um, it is basically talking about like closed systems and how closed systems move to uh, disorder and that increases entropy. Um, and so it's alluded to though through a, 
a bunch of different times in the movie Tenet. So in the scene where he's learning how to catch bullets, it's basic, basically like the, that entire thought experiment is like drawn on a whiteboard behind him. Um, so that's like one of the first times you see it. Uh, the classic kind of representation of the thought experiment is using red particles and blue particles. Um, and the idea in that thought experiment was these particles will be going through a turnstile to get to the other closed system. And then once they're going into the other closed system, that that is actually decreasing entropy, which would be theoretically how you can like invert time. Um, and so that's alluded to through the entire movie, right? There's red and blue, there's the red and blue teams at the end of the movie in like the pincer movement. Um, there is red and blue in the one, when the first time he goes through the turnstile, when- The uh, hallways are red and blue. Yep, when, when Sator's gonna threaten him to shoot Cat. Um, so yeah, I mean, like it's the, and I think there's even more times too that I'm just not thinking of where they're kind of using, he's, Nolan's using red and blue, um, but yeah. So that was just kind of another cool thing that like, you know, just tied into the movie. I mean, the, that is the one good thing with Nolan, like his details are always spot on. I think going to what you said about the catching the bullet, that was one of the toughest things. I know Rob and I had a long conversation about this was I could follow when the humans would be inverted, but when items were inverted, that mm -hmm. was a little bit tougher to follow. I didn't, when he was getting inverted and then the first time he got inverted and then he went on the car chase, mm -hmm. like he's inverted, but the car's not yeah. inverted. So why is the car like, I, that didn't make sense. I think it's him trying to, the, the way I got it was it's him being inverted, but trying to drive a non-inverted car. And so it's like, he's, think of it like he's trying to like, figure out how he has to move. He has to think about how he wishes it would have happened in order to make it happen, but it still wouldn't have him like, like they show like the car stop and it skids and the skids like come into the back mm -hmm. in, into the tire. Like that wouldn't happen because the car is not inverted. Yeah, that, but it was an awesome car chase. And yeah, that's, I think what I loved is like, there are some awesome scenes in the movie and they're really cool visuals. And I guess, you know, the advice was right. Don't think too hard about it. Yeah. Just enjoy the show. I like, I like how Nolan does the fight scenes because it's, they seem more like realistic fight scenes where they like you get more of the sound of the, the fights and the punches and stuff isn't does it's more like real. It's not that like big, huge sounding punch from like superhero movies you would get. It's like just sounds more like someone's punching you in the face. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, <laughs> you, ever, yeah. you ever heard someone punch you in the face? Like you think of uh, you think of the techniques they use right? in like action movies, and it's like them like cracking celery and, and yeah, you know, yeah. smashing meat and stuff to make it to make this the punch sound like super you know super visceral. And then in this right, it's just kind of like I feel like it, it was like people punching like windbreakers. Somebody said that the the one where the protagonist is fighting him himself looked like it was just like a practice, like if you went to a karate practice and you were just like trying to fight each other, but not really trying to hit each other, that would be what it was essentially. Yeah, it, it, I agree. Cause I kind of thought the same thing, but then at the same time, it also felt more real cause you're not doing these crazy wind up uppercuts and just jump kicks that couldn't do in a real fight. I've been in a lot of fights, like <laughs> one when I was seven 
So I kind of understand how these things work. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, the hardest thing I could wrap my head around was not so much when they would invert, but it was like scenes where they would invert and then revert back to normal, like pretty quick. Wouldn't so, be unvert. Or I mean, would it be unvert? Divert. Vert? Was it just? Vert, I think it's just vert. vert, 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 vert. They invert and then vert. Um, but so like that, the end, the temporal pincer movement was kind of for me just like kind of hard to wrap my head around. Like I got it, but at the same time, like the detail stuff, I was just like, but why? What? I don't get it. Yeah. So let's talk. So they're going through the temporal pincer movement in the red. The team moving forward gets the benefit of the team that's already flowed backwards through it for their briefing. And they're crossing each other's paths as they're going through. But, Which is why it's called Tenet, because they do it 10 minutes before and 10 minutes after. Uh, I also realized in researching for this film that it is not Tenet, it's Tenet. Tenet. Just realized that ten, like, like ten, two days ago. Not Tenet. 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 Oh, okay. Tenet. Tenet. So, that pincer movement at the end too i must have watched especially at the very end um when robert pattinson's character you know comes back in front of the gate and that whole situation i watched that at least 10 times like slow motion forwards i tried to reverse it backwards maybe that made it more sense nope and then I finally just gave up. I'm like, I gotta watch. I gotta read about this because that but was. Then you very saw that 3D model of that. that just confused it even more. I love. I've looked up so many diagrams, and even today on Reddit, I found one, and it's the diagram always worse than the movie. So I, I'm. I gotta give Nolan credit. That's the best way you could explain it to us is the way he showed it to us. See, it kind of. I think I get it because Neil knew what was going to happen because he had already flowed mm. f- flowed through that backwards so he knew he had to go re re he had to go vert himself to come forward so he could lock the door but i didn't get how he because he spoiler that's where he dies right but yeah. then he does he's not dead he's moving through he I mean, at the end of the movie he's there so i don't I'm confused. Is he like stuck in a time loop then? Because he's going backwards. But it's a it's a closed loop because he dies. So it's yeah. I think the last thing you see him, he's moving forward in time, and we don't see him revert himself or invert so himself he's, again. At some other point, he's gonna come backwards again through time. He inverted himself, to went backwards, to went back there. Yeah, and then when we see him the first time there, he was still moving invertedly backwards. I think. Because he had already died, so when we see him underneath in that tunnel area, he and then he, you know, he sits up and he blocks whatever. He's moving inverted, and then think about he kept moving inverted back through the tunnel and up and out. But he must have gone through a turnstile at some point before he came out to rescue them with the chain, because he was the one that pulled them up with the chain, mm-hmm. right? I think. Or maybe he just does that. He's coming from another spot somewhere. Yeah, he could be doing that too. And goes down, blocks the bullet, and dies. But it's it, it's happening backwards. The the other thing going for a plot hole, Pat, was the al- algorithm. 
uh, that I completely went over my head. Like, how does this work? Like you just glue them all together and you got like this big staff and it's going to blow oh, up the world. That, that whole piece was a little iffy. For I me. mean, that one's just one of those, like, it's just the MacGuffin did. Yeah, MacGuffin, right. You just, you know, you need well, something for the characters to I'm go after. They like they have one line where they explain it. it's it's the mathematical formula for inversion made solid. <laughs> that was how it. they explained it in the movie. Guys, I, I deal with math a lot on a daily basis. I'm not sure how that would work. But. Just make it solid, Randy. <laughs> help your help the students out. Make your mathematical make solid. formula solid. But then it would blow up the world, and I don't want them doing that. <laughs> I think they did say though, like so they said it would when this thing went off, it would it would reverse the flow of entropy for like the entire universe. Yes. So then it would just like destroy destroy our the universe we perceive as an entropy flowing normal and the like would, the future universe which would be totally inverted would come back to then like take over would, yeah it would come back mm -hmm. through but as it's coming through everything would hit itself and to create total annihilation yeah and so that the, the algorithm is what can make that happen yeah I'm gonna be I'll level with you guys. I've gone on the internet and scoured for a, like a a real version of that algorithm, like so, like a prop replica to buy because I liked <laughs> it. I could the closest I could find is someone had plans to 3D print the algorithm. Are you looking for um, a full size one or just no, like a mini one? Well, if, if it happened to be full size, I wouldn't say no. But I was looking more for like a like a keychain version, but. No, there none of them are out there. So, so Jen, I didn't buy a sword at Comic Con. <laughs> I but, just bought uh, an algorithm. It's actually bigger than the sword I was going to buy. But it's just an algorithm. It's made solid, though. Yeah, and I'm splitting it up. I'm giving a third to Pat and a third to Randy because you know that's just. And if I ever see them again, I have to kill them. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to. <laughs> so maybe a plot hole. I don't know. See, the problem is. So maybe I should, this is the other part of this. I told you guys that I tried to convince my coworker to watch it because I told him to watch Looper and he hated it. And so I said, well, you know, this is going to be the worst. Be great joke. He liked the movie. He watched it two days ago. He actually enjoyed it. And now I'm one, I'm thinking why is guys like us, we can't stop thinking about it. We got to dig into it. Guy like my coworker, he watches it and it's gone. Like he doesn't even think about it ever. <laughs> well, that was a cool fight scene. Yeah. All right, what's next? <laughs> He's like, I, I think I understood all of it. I'm like, no, you didn't, but that's okay. <laughs> You're apparently okay with that. <laughs> How can you understand it? You didn't spend eight hours diving down Reddit rabbit holes to figure it out. Yeah. He's like, it was a little long. I was like, okay. That was like, the so the one thing with this movie, so my, my wife is like, I wouldn't say she likes a lot of the sci-fi stuff I watch, but she's like tolerant of it. And, and so though she was like kind of catching bits and pieces of this movie. She did not catch all of it. But by the end, she was just like, oh, man, that just seemed so annoying. She's like, it just, like, <laughs> it just seems so complicated. And I was like, you know what, though? You're not wrong. Like, this is, I was like, the, the basis of the movie is a good idea, but it is just, like, needlessly comp. Like, I feel like it was, I like to compare it to Looper. And just that, like, they're both doing kind of, like, this own clever thing with, like, time travel. And I know we're not supposed to do time travel, but, like, playing with time. Time flow. Time flow. Yeah, flow of time. And... Looper was just much simpler and I think is easier to understand and, and, and because of that better 
in, in my opinion. <laughs> like, like this was really good and it was well done. And I think Nolan's a great director, but it was so overly complex. And I, I like in a way to get sleep. Kate, Kate said it best when she said, Tenant makes Inception seem like a kid's movie. <laughs> yeah. So true. So I got I got Laurel to watch this. I immediately apologized after. And then her first reaction, and she's watched Pat, same thing like you said with Jamie. It's, you know, I've getting her into some of these movies. Her first reaction was, that was not my type of movie. And I said, I don't blame you for this one. This one was a little bit too far. I'm like, did this ruin all sci-fi movies? She's like, no, I'll still watch some. But she's like, I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what I just watched. You do yourself any favor, so. And then I spent another hour after rewinding, watching scenes. She, she went, I remember she went in another room for a bit, came back. She's like, are you still watching this movie? I'm like, I just got to figure out what happened. I just got to figure out. And then I think Chris, did you watch it the next day? And you immediately called me after. Yes. <laughs> I think I must've watched it. I was up to like three 30 in the morning. The first time I watched it. <laughs> Cause I watched it. I didn't start it until like, 10 30 or so so i watched it and i did the same thing a couple scenes i watched more than once to try to see what was going on and then obviously after you watch it you got to read a few articles and like an hour and a half later all i've been just reading articles like i gotta go to bed <laughs> and then the next morning i had to go grocery shopping and so i went grocery shopping and just called you on the way because i had to debrief with someone it's just that movie where you have to I, and I think that brings me to this idea. I don't know how you guys feel. All the problems for the movie overall, guy like me, I want more movies like this. Like I, I, would, I loved it in a way that it makes you think it might not be the most perfect movie, but I love that Nolan puts movies out there like this because who else can do blockbuster, like put this much money into these really heady sci-fi movies? It's awesome. So I completely agree. This yeah. movie sealed Christopher Nolan as one of my favorite directors now. I get yeah. I, I like the movie. Like like you said, it's not great. You know, it's it's got a lot of issues with it and it's definitely not for everyone, but I really liked it and I liked, you know, the action scenes I thought were awesome. The general story I thought was good. I thought could we get into um was it James David Washington or John David Washington? JDW? Yep, he was that's... fantastic. Yes. Yeah, he was great. He was great. Uh, I mean, not that not that I didn't like Robert Pattinson, but just like it just reinforces that he really is a, a really good actor. He does not get enough credit. I think a lot of people still... Pattinson? Yeah, I agree. I thought he was good in this too. Yeah, they still think of him as Twilight. He's done so much more and, and some really good, you know, even like art house stuff. Um, I know like the lighthouse was was one that he uh, has been getting a lot of acclaim for as well, um, but yeah, so he's got a lot of a lot of talent, and I'm excited to see him as Batman too coming up. Yeah, this made um, me yeah. very excited for Batman, and I've been watching Ballers, which I don't know if we're allowed to talk on this podcast. It's yeah. Sports. Yeah. the Rock. Yeah. Ballers. Yeah. yeah, is he in that Robert Pattinson now? Oh, no, uh, JD Dobbs. Yeah, have yeah. you seen oh, it? Pat? Oh yeah, he's the receiver. Yes, I saw yes. the first season. I didn't see. I haven't seen any of it after, but I did watch the first season, which I enjoyed. It was it's a fun show. Yeah, it's really fun. It's definitely so. My dad, like, he likes watching movies and TV shows, and Ballers is like on the top of his list. And he's the exact opposite type of guy I would ever think like that show. It's definitely like a dumb half hour, hour to watch. But JD Dubs is phenomenal. Totally different character than he is in this. Mm -hmm. He's just he's just so good. And so, uh, real quick, I read an article where. 
he said that um, he told his dad, uh, Denzel, and his mom that he got a Nolan movie, and they're all super excited and everything. And then he got the script and read it, and he's like, oh, crap. He's like, I don't understand this at all. Like, I don't know what's going on in this movie. But I trust Nolan, and I'm really excited to be able to do it. I like some of the interviews he gave where, where they're, like, asking him questions about the plot, and he's just, like, laughs it up. Like, man, I don't know. I just <laughs> did what the scene has to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right so castanets if you're confused whether you should watch tenant or not yes uh it's good it's good but uh you know you're probably still going to be confused because that's kind of what happened with us if you think you should watch tenant backwards why not cool if you think you can start in the middle and watch the end and then go to the beginning yeah you could probably do that <laughs> You could even probably turn your TV upside down and watch Tenet. It actually might make as long as you have the closed captioning on. <laughs> upside down too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, like a theater square, I think. If you do yeah. That. It makes me want to see time inversion is definitely a very original idea. I'd love to see more movies or shows or books that kind of tackle it. What I did think was a funny, and one of the articles was said this was actually the sequel. Um, he's still got to make the prequel movie. Like this was actually a really good sequel to whatever Tenant would be as mm-hmm. a prequel movie. Like watching JD Dubs get into it and everything. So. Where he goes and because he supposedly, as he moves along into the future, he creates Tenant. Yes. And founds it, and then yeah. everything flows backwards to that moment. And it would actually make this movie maybe make a lot more sense if he had done a different one first. <laughs> yep, I agree. <laughs> All right, Tenet. Uh, again, really good movie. Check it out. Maybe get super confused. Then go on Reddit for eight hours and look up every single article you can. And if you ever find a real-life algorithm, you know, a mathematical formula made solid, let us know. We'll, Email we'll... us, castbringers at gmail.com. Right. We got three people. We can take at least three of the pieces, if not more. <laughs> All right, guys. I think that's probably going to about wrap it up for us. Let's uh, jump into some recommendations, though. What are we recommending for the week? We are going to do this a little differently, too. New um, format. Mm-hmm. We got a new format. That's right. So we're going to give you a recommendation for something to read, something to watch, and something to play. So, Chris, I think you gave us the something to read this week. What do you got? My recommendation is to read Saga, the comic book Saga by Brian K. Vaughn, published by Image Comics. Uh, it's just a fantastic, amazing story. It's this series first came out um, before the Star Wars, uh, the third trilogy came out, and it was really got the sour taste out of your mouth from the Star Wars prequels. It's not a Star Wars story, but it's very Star Wars ish. And rumor had what one of the rumors I heard is that Brian K. Vaughn wrote a Star Wars script and it got flat out denied. So he turned it into Saga, which you can kind of see that. Um, but it's just got great characters. It's great storyline. The art is fantastic in it. Uh, probably one of the best comics I've read, um, maybe even ever, Saga. Brian K. Vaughn, Fiona Staples is the artist. Definitely worth it. Check it out. On, on Hoopla, uh, and I can second that. Chris, you recommended this for me. I bought a copy at Comic-Con of the first 
issue. And uh, then I read a bunch on Hoopla and it's so much fun. It's, it's definitely got like a very fun, but also adult vibe to it. I'll say. Nice. All right. Randy, how about you give us uh, the thing to watch this week? So I mentioned it earlier, his dark materials on HBO. I know second season came out. I read all the Philip Pullman books, uh, the golden compass, the subtle knife. And I can't remember what the third one was. Um, I don't know. Have you guys ever read the books? Don Voyager. Is that, is that that series? <laughs> Voyager, the Don Treader. Yeah, that's the one. With, uh, yep. That was it with uh, Max Damon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> these, I got to say, these books might be top they're in my top of the list of like, you know, stranded desert Island books. So if you like, I don't even know where I'd put it. It's definitely fantasy books. Um, and I was, I, I watched the movie that they came out with the golden compass. That was horrible. Yep. Pat's thumb, putting a thumbs down for it. That's the um, giant polar bear and all the trailers, right? Yes. Um, and the books get really weird too, but the show uh, is doing like a much slower take on it. And they're actually, introducing ideas sooner than in the books and it's really cool what they're doing with it so i'd say if you read the books totally watch the show it's definitely got more of a kid's feel to it too so were the books that's what i was going to ask the books were more like young adult kids right yeah it was it definitely it was more adult honestly and it wasn't like adult the books themes. were yeah i you know i it's hard because the first one felt more kiddish but then he got into some more weird stuff later on not necessarily inappropriate for young adults but it definitely was more detailed and like in depth and kind of a little complicated i felt like it was more than like a young adult book typically would be Um, but it wasn't it didn't have like mature themes in it not that i can remember necessarily the last book was super weird so that's all i remember is the last book being insanely weird uh so I, I'd say it's for most ages. I'm, I can tell with the show, they're definitely making So maybe if you're a young adult looking into this, you should watch Tenet first. And if you can understand Tenet, then these, you'd be all right reading these books. I, I'm confused by the question, Chris. So if you're an adult, but you're working your way backwards towards a child, should you read your books like Benjamin Button? Or do you want to read them if let's, you're going? So, so listen, now that we brought that up, back to Tenet, if you are inverted and your time is flowing backwards for you, do you still age or do you get younger? Do you... Still age? He's already, he's talked about that. So you still, so like if you invert time to go, say you live out a week and then you want to invert time to go back to the beginning of the week, you still have to go, you have to live through that passage of a, of a week's time to get back to the beginning. But you're inverted. Time is flowing backwards for you. Your relative time. It's but, all relative. Yeah. It's all about the Think of it as if you're drawing a line you're drawing the line forward and then you stop and go backwards. But if you were to stretch that line out, the distance would still be the same as if like you kept it going forward. Oh, that's a good expat. You did watch Tenet. I wasn't sure up until that moment, but you did watch it. That's great. Are we going to, before we keep going, are we going to do a time travel episode at some point? Cause that's, yeah, sure. that's why I got into this. Okay. There's so many, there's so many other just great time travel stories. Yeah, and just the idea in general. Okay. So I won't continue then. So that's my uh, recommendation. And I, I, I have to second that, Randy. Uh, back when it first came out in season one, I got to uh, got through like two episodes. My wife actually really got into it. That's like mm-hmm. a like fantasy sci-fi show. She was like, this is actually really cool. I, I like it. 
um, and then for whatever reason that we just found. Yeah. So it is one though I've been meaning from the back of my head, like been meaning to dive back into. I, I'm a big Daphne Keene fan. I think she's a very, yes. very good young actor, actress. So I'm excited to see her in the rest of the series. It, it is definitely starts out a little typical, but the show took it like into the second book almost, and then it gets kind of crazy. So I'd say stick with it if you're not interested, if you're out there. And then I'm providing our, uh, our thing to play this week. Um, I, I wanted to give a little, uh, a little throwback. Um, so it's going to be, I believe, the 35th anniversary of Zelda this year. Um, and so one of my favorite video games of all time, Zelda, A Link to the Past. Second that. Third it. Originally came out for Super Nintendo. It is also now available on, if you have a Switch, on the Super Nintendo Switch app. Um, you know, if, as long as you have the Nintendo online, you can stream it. Or I believe it's probably, it's not, we talked about this last week, it's not really a streaming. I think it's more of like an emulation. But uh, it's available on that, so you can play it, check it out, play it there. Again, just One to of me, the best games the ever. Best, the best Zelda story. It's so, so good. Yeah, I so think hard it, finding the fire temple in the dark forest. It, and it, it's one of the few games I actually downloaded on the Wii U because I love it so much. And I think it is on on a lot of lists I've seen, it is like number one as the best game. Um, definitely for Super Nintendo or Super Mario World, one of those two. But it's just it's epitome of happiness for me. That game is mm -hmm. just phenomenal. Yeah. It's a, and it's a game you can sink a, a ton of hours into while also still not feeling like you're sinking a ton of hours into it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and at the same time, though, it's a game that you probably, you know, if you're pretty good at video games, you probably could be in not that long of a time as well. Mm -hmm. like it's, it's just weird like that where you can kind of do both. And it's, it, it's great. It's a great game. Mm -hmm. I have a real, real difficult time finishing any video games. Um, I usually get to, like, you know, three quarters of the way through or get to, like, the final boss battle stage or wherever and then just say ah, i'll beat it later and never get back to it i've played through a link to the past at least five times um it, it's one of again just a, a all around um, i would say like a, the closest thing to a perfect video game there is yep. agree awesome all right so those are our read watch play for the week um before we give you our D and D character of the week. Let's jump into some plugs. Anything you guys want to plug last minute before we uh, finish up? So, are we doing a new? I think we're adding a new thing to our social media page. Um, articles that we didn't get to talk about this week, right? Correct. So, so, if you have been following us on Twitter, I was a little late, I think, um, last week, but I did throw out yes, the uh, our article parries, just articles that we didn't get a chance to really talk about, or ones that we just felt like didn't quite make the cut for the show this week. Um, we're gonna try to tweet those out. Um, so I did tweet out two of them for last week, if, if you're following us. If not, again, follow us on Twitter, um, at Seabringers. Uh, but we'll be, I'll be dropping the, uh, the parries for the week uh, coming up in the next couple of days. Yep. So there's a few articles there um, that I threw in there that we could do. Perfect. Chris, anything, anything else for you? Last second, Instagram? We have an Instagram. There's a picture of Ashbringer on it. Once we figure, I'll figure out how to use Instagram. <laughs> a second. I opened it and was trying to post something. I was like, uh, I 
I'm old, I guess. I, I could I could do Instagram. I have I have Instagram. I I had it and then it got hacked, but all I was following was nerdy stuff, so it wasn't a big deal. So I'm sure I can figure this one out again. <laughs> oh, maybe I'm too tech savvy. I'm not. <laughs> Look, I'm not tech not tech and savvy. I feel like Instagram is purposely difficult. It's not intuitive at all. If there was a remote that you like app you could download on your phone that would actually like allow you to control. Okay, you laugh at me about that. (laughs) This week, my kids lost the remote for two whole days. (laughs) And guess what I used to turn on and off the TV and I had all the power in the house. Wait, You laugh at that. Can I guess the knobs on the TV? (laughs) I did use that to turn it on because the TV has to be on the network, your Wi-Fi network for the remote to work. So in your mind, does Chris have like a TV from 1945? <laughs> yeah, you sit, you have that little box with the slider with the on slider, it. Slider, yeah. Change the channel. Goes from like two to ninety, yeah. Uh-huh. But the wire is connected to it, so yes. you gotta like yeah. have it string across the room. But it's sit on, on the, the arm of the couch. Sometimes you gotta whack it on the side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have to, Charlie's got to stand by the window holding the rabbit ears to get the best reception. <laughs> you can't you can't put it down. You have to hold them. Awesome. All right, that's going to do it for this week. Before we go, your D&D character of the week, maybe my personal favorite that since we've been doing this, Edgar Porridge Pot. That's right. Fantastic. Yes. He is a stout halfling bard from House with an outlander background. What's a stout halfling? Does that mean he's like... He's like stout. Like a big goat, <laughs> like big for a halfling. So he's still yeah. only like the size of a pop can. Yeah, he's like a slender half. Pat's first thought of stout is ah. So he's opposites. He's a stout. He's stout, but he's a halfling. It's a little bulldog. Is the bulldog calling us? <laughs> You're a good boy. Yes, you are. You're a good boy. Go get it. Yes. Good boy. All right, sit. Stand. Speak. All right. All right. That's going to do it, everybody. Wait, wait, wait. Was that our phone? What's our phone call? Hold on, called in. That was it. Listen, we'll see y'all next week. Wait, is the halfling lawful good? Should ask the bulldog. Actually, I actually thought he might be lawful evil. He's opposite, so would he'd have to be chaotic good? Uh, He's definitely not chaotic. He's lawful. We'll go lawful good. Neutral, neutral, neutral. What's the difference? Thank y'all. See ya. Hey, Randy. Yeah, Chris. What do you get when you cross a stout halfling and a bulldog? I don't know. What do you get, Chris? Bull stout. (laughs) Bull stout. What if you invert a halfling? What do you get? I don't know. What, Chris? 
Can I just go through our guest callers? We we start with Thanos, <laughs> Thanos, Ebony Ma, Gollum. Was he next? Nope. Uh, we had no, Aragorn, Gollum, and then a bulldog. <laughs> Yeah. Can't, I cannot wait till next week. An intelligent bulldog. Who is going to be our? Oh, he was intelligent. Did you hear him? Intelligent enough to follow directions, I guess, not to speak English. I would assume an intelligent bulldog would speak English. Uh, 